Welcome to episode five of the Rediscovery of Me Life Stories podcast. Today's episode is all about pursuing our dreams and why sometimes going in at the deep end is the only way. I just guess because it's what I love doing. You know, it's what's in my heart. So it brings me such joy. Mm -hmm. So when I'm there in front of a group, I mean, even now, you know, when I'm on an author visit and I'm in front of a class of kids, I just love it. I'm absolutely in my element. It's time to be your best version of you. No fluff, no nonsense, only practical ways for you to be your own extraordinary. We learn from the real stories of real people who've been there and survived the life challenges that we all face. Remember, one person's story can be someone else's survival guide. Welcome to the rediscovery of me. I'm your host, Holly Hartley. Hello, everybody. Well, we're on floor number five at Rediscovery Towers and wow, what a lovely view it is out the window. As always, thank you so much for joining me. But before we start today, a plea, if I may. I'm looking for more amazing guests to come and join us on the show and share with us their inspirational stories. I hope that you've seen now that there really are no rules. We're interested to hear stories from any walk of life. If this is you or you know someone who fits the bill, please get them to drop me a line at contact at rediscoveryofme.com. Although I am based in the UK and whilst at the moment I might not travel, one day, my friends, one day, technology can nonetheless help us transcend those barriers. Drop me a line. Let's talk. So without further ado, let's get on with today's show. My guest on today's show is a woman who followed her heart, took a risk and found her calling. A former journalist and PR consultant, Faye Evans left the rat race to pursue her dream of being a children's author. Following her coming out in a business meeting over two and a half years ago, today she's the author of two self-published picture books and she's currently working on the script for a stage musical adaptation of her first book, Fred the Fire Sneezing Dragon. Her mantra is to follow your heart and dream big. She's here to share her story and tell us how she did it. She is the very lovely Faye Evans. Oh, thank you, Holly. Hello. Hi, Faye. No, thank you. I know it's a busy time of year for you because it's September. Obviously, you do a lot of stuff in school. Oh, so indeed. Yeah. Start of term. It is. It's back to school for me, definitely. Yeah, so I do lots of author visits. Fantastic. Uh, with my books and I do storytelling sessions for children that are in sort of preschool and yeah. reception up to year two. That's my kind of core audience. So I read them my rhyming stories. Fabulous. My fabulously illustrated rhyming stories. Fantastic. And then I also do sessions with the key stage two children, the older children as well. Yeah. Um, Which are up to age 11. Up to age 11, indeed. Yeah. So, yeah, I love it. Um, Fantastic. And uh, tomorrow morning, I have an assembly first thing to lead (laughs) (laughs) at a school over in Chesterfield. So I'm looking forward to that. So, yeah, doing a whole school assembly. Do you get nervous for those kinds of things? Do you know, I don't at all. No, I love it. I absolutely kind of thrive on it. Is it always that way or... 
Is that changed a little bit? You become more comfortable. I suppose I've become more confident the more author visits that I've done. Yeah. But yeah, I just I enjoy it so much that I don't kind of get the nerves. You right. know, not like I would if I had maybe you know a, an audience of of grown ups at a business meeting or something, and I was doing a PowerPoint presentation. Yeah, it would be yeah. an, it would be another thing. But, we, uh, but when yeah. I was a teacher, we always used to reckon you know kids are like velociraptors if uh, if they sense your unease, oh yes exactly blood. yes <laughs> yes. <laughs> I try not to let it show. <laughs> Keep it well covered. Well, let, let's come on to that a little bit further down because I, I really want to, to talk a little bit about the work that you do in education because obviously that's a topic that's very, very close to my heart as well. Let's talk a little bit about your early life. Did okay. you always want to be a writer? No. So I always liked writing mm -hmm. and I always liked sort of performance and theatre and mm -hmm. things like that so I was thinking of this when I was you know coming over to see you today so when I was at, at school you know as far as sixth form I was very much into performing arts and theatre I helped out at the local theatre and mm -hmm. was in a couple of plays mm -hmm. and that kind of thing so I loved that side of things but then when I went away to university I kind of lost that and, and sort of switched over to media. So my first job after university was as a reporter on a local paper. And then from there, I went across to the other side, to PR, to marketing, and I became a specialist in media relations. I was going to say, those so, two things must be quite closely related. Yeah. Very creative industry. Yeah, creative, but... Obviously, when I moved into to PR, I worked for, you know, PR agencies. Then back in 2000, I uh, took the plunge and went self-employed. Mm -hmm. And at that time, very few PR people were doing that because there were lots and lots of agencies around at the time. And, you know, everyone worked for a different agency. And I decided to go it alone and be an independent consultant. And so I, I started out, I did quite a bit of freelancing for other PR agencies. Yeah. But then... I gradually built up my own client base. Yeah. So I was writing about things like freezing systems mm -hmm. and, you know, AV furniture, TV stands. Wow. Things like that, you know, really kind of um, creative stuff, not. So it was it was all very sort of technical. And my skill as a, as a PR person was to turn something that was technical and quite, you know, quite sort of grey and, mm -hmm. and, and perhaps a little bit dull into something that was interesting and newsworthy. Yeah. So that was my skill as a PR consultant. So that was kind of my creative side coming out, I suppose. This, this part of your career, was this organic? Was it by accident? Was this something yeah. that you crafted yourself? It was totally kind of organic, really. Mm -hmm. It was a matter of... I did, I did part of my... A degree at university. I sort of did English literature and media studies. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd written some pieces for the um, the student newspaper, so that helped me to get my first job at the local newspaper where I, you know, became a trainee reporter. So that kind of flowed quite nicely. And then the move into into PR again was just organic. Mm -hmm. There wasn't really any, oh, I want to be a reporter and, oh, I want to work in PR. It was just that's that's how it kind of fell sort of naturally as I sort of moved about, you know, to different places. And writing about freezing systems and TV stands and all those kinds of sexy things, <laughs> yes. you know, in a, in a creative way, <laughs> yeah. did that satiate, did that satisfy that need in you to 
write about beautiful things? No, not in the slightest. So that was what happened, really. So I'd been working as an independent consultant for probably about five years. So we're going back to maybe back sort of 2005, 2006. And I was kind of bored with writing that kind of stuff. I mean, I loved my clients, don't get me wrong. And I, and I loved the work and I loved the fact that I was earning a living as a self-employed person doing what I wanted to do. Which must have been incredibly at. satisfying. Yeah, yeah, it was great. You know, I didn't have any, any complaints at all. But that's when I started to look around and, and started doing sort of creative writing courses. Oh, okay. and, and a couple of years, years after that, I signed up to do a part-time MA in TV and radio script writing, yeah. which was where my kind of you know creative interest had gone. So was it when you started doing these kind of let's let's stick with the school lingo extracurricular <laughs> yes. activities? I, I like what you did there. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> when you started doing these additional things, yes. that you realised that actually maybe my long-standing career isn't going to be forever. No, do you know, I still didn't think that. Even then? No, no. I, I mean, I thought it would be great to have a kind of big break and suddenly I'd be, you know, writing for Coronation Street yeah, yeah. or something like that. But but no, I, I never really kind of thought of it in that way. And and whilst I was doing the, the course, I wrote a couple of short film scripts mm-hmm. that were kind of sort of dark comedies, let's say. And both of them were picked up by a local production company that actually made them into films, made them, you know, put them on on DVD. So that was great. So I knew that what I was doing, I found it very satisfying, you know, for that to happen. I also wrote some sort of pilot episodes of original TV sitcoms that I kind of, you know, created, came up with. And again, both of those got interest from producers, TV producers. But again, nothing ever happened. It was just, you know, a bit of interest and that was a bit exciting. But that was that was kind of it. Then a friend who I met on the course, a fellow scriptwriter, we came up with an idea for a a comedy drama series Mm -hmm. for, for TV. And it actually got optioned by ITV Studios, so massive, massive production company. Um, loved the idea. What does that mean, optioned? So optioned, you, you write um, a kind of outline yeah. of the idea. Uh-huh. Uh, it's called a treatment. So you sort of you know write all about where it's set, the characters that are in it, what happens in each episode. You kind of break it all down. And they, you know, they read that, they loved it. So they bought the rights to produce that series or to develop that series and that's what it means if it's optioned they've put an option on it to to produce it so, so should they you, wish. you saw very early success well yes I suppose I did <laughs> but again because because it's so it's such a kind of cutthroat industry mm. and we knew as soon as they optioned it that the chances were that they wouldn't actually produce it but, you know, we got paid a little bit of money yeah. for the idea. But they've got great dibs, effectively. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah. They, they had the rights to produce it. I think they, they did a 12-month option. Yeah. So, that, yeah, it was really exciting. But then, of course, that 12 months passes and, you know, nothing's happened. So that was what happened kind of with the, the TV and radio script writing. And then in, in 2009, something very, very exciting happened. So I became a mum. Yeah. So life changed a lot let's, let's at come, that point. Let's come back to that in a moment because I've got some <laughs> yeah. questions I want to ask you about that because I think 
life changing is is a fairly understatement, <laughs> a fairly large understatement, shall we say? So, but going back to to the MA you studied in TV and radio script writing, I think from the University of Salford. Yeah, that's you did right. that whilst you were working at the same time. Yes, so you, I did. You yes. know, you're clearly a very very driven person. What yeah. what was it that made you decide to do that, and how do you practically juggle? A job like you had where you're working for yourself. Yeah. You know, effectively, you've got to be the one who brings home the bacon. Yeah. And then you're doing an MA at the same time. How practically do you juggle those two things? Uh, I mean, it was just, I think, because I enjoyed it so much, then I, I you know, the, the practicalities of it didn't sort of matter. I just I just did it. I mean, it was a, it was a part-time course. It was one night a week for two years in mm-hmm. terms of going across to Salford for, for lectures. And then there was a lot of, you know, writing scripts and, and, you know, different types of script writing on the course. And you just sort of did the coursework as you went along. And then the the kind of final, you know, dissertation was to produce a full film script. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And because I loved it, it it kind of didn't seem... Like a chore. Like a chore, you know, because I was just enjoying it. And the the beauty then of being self-employed and and doing what I was doing, I had, you know, a steady sort of flow of clients. You know, I had clients kind of on retainers. So the, the money side of things was sorted. So... You know, and also being a self-employed person, you can choose when you when you work and yeah. that sort of thing. So it, it all just fitted in, you know, with the lifestyle at the time. So it so it I suppose well. you had that added benefit, practically speaking, of that kind of flexibility. Yes, where you could oh, build definitely. Things in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's you know that's one of the beauties that I've always loved about being self-employed. It's having that flexibility of being your own boss, and and I guess know. that that mindset. I suppose because you're ultimately accountable. Yeah, it's not like working for an organisation <laughs> where you get a fixed salary every month. No. But that mindset of being ultimately accountable for the amount of money that yeah. comes in every yeah. month yeah. must actually have stood you in good stead for what you do now. Yes, yeah, definitely. I mean, it helped me to, you know, because when you when you become self-employed, you're not just, you know, self-employed as the thing that mm. you're doing. So I wasn't just a PR consultant. I was, you know, I was doing my own accounts. I was doing my own marketing. I was doing, you know, you yeah, do all those yeah. other jobs as well, all those other roles. And so that gave me that kind of, you know, the sort of business side of it, really, the financial side of it, I think. That, that I, I think that's one of the things that... I think I've been, I think blindsided is perhaps too too big, but I have been really quite humbled by how much there is to do when you kind of take <laughs> everything on yourself. There is, there is. And, and it's, you know, especially in the early days, it does seem quite overwhelming, but I've always been a real advocate for business networking. Mm-hmm. And over the years, you know, as a, as a PR consultant particularly, that's how I not only built up my client base, but also just got the business support that I needed to be self-employed. Yeah, so, you know, outsourcing accounts and and whatever else you need need help with. But, yeah, I mean, it's a kind of vicious circle, isn't it? Because you need an income to do that kind of thing. But you you get it gradually. But it's, it's, you know, building up those networks of of people. And, And I suppose in the early days, if you can do a kind of skill swap, with somebody that can help you, that's you know a that's idea. that's a really good idea and and something that I definitely did in in the early days. Oh, I've not heard about so, that. What a fantastic idea! You talked about in the literature that you provide for me. I love this phrase, coming out yes. at a business meeting <laughs> two and a half years ago, and how I that did. changed your life I as a result. Did. Tell us about that. Absolutely. So, sort of in the intervening time, I'd, I'd become a mum, 
and becoming a mum had opened up a whole new world of, of literature for Absolutely. me, as I'm sure you, you appreciate. Indeed. Oh, yes. So, you know, my, my daughter, Amy, when she was very, very young, so she, you know, before she could walk, before she could talk, she loved it when I read to her. Mm-hmm. You know, reading aloud to her is something that I did every day. Mm-hmm. She loved books. So she didn't really play with dollies and, and cuddly toys, but she loved just helping turn the pages and looking at the pictures. And so I, re- you know, really enjoyed that time with her, reading to her and kind of bonding with her. And then one day, Amy said her very first word when I was reading to her. So there was this lovely, lovely rhyming story that was like our favourite. Um, and oh, it, which one? It was. It's called Bear Snores On. I love that. Ah, oh, you know it. You know it. <laughs> I do. I it's love marvelous. that book. It's lovely, lovely yeah, story. It's a beautiful story. And the the copy of this particular book that we had, it had um, a little button on the front. Yeah. And you could press the button every time the bear snores. You press this button, and it was the you know recorded sound of a bear snoring. So it was it was great. So it was quite interactive, <laughs> which I imagine was very easy for somebody to capture. <laughs> yes, indeed, indeed. So it was lovely. So it was just an interactive kind of book, and I think that that's kind of carried through into the the books that you know I now write. But yeah, I just thought of that. But um, but yeah. So one day there she was, sat on my knee. She opened our favourite book. She pointed to the picture and she said bear wow and that was her first word I thought this this can't be right so I made her do it again you know and it was definitely definitely there so that was her first word so it wasn't mama or dada it was <laughs> bear so I thought wow you know she's learned to communicate mm. through me reading to her reading these stories so and that um, was a real pivotal moment yeah for you. absolutely and you know we read some great books together like bear snores on obviously but then we also read some books together that I thought weren't so great so that's when I became a secret author ah. so I started to write these little stories I kind of shared them with Amy but that was it they didn't go anywhere you know that that was it so I was still doing the the PR stuff uh, myself and Amy's dad got married okay so this meant that I had a change of name ah, as well okay. so so for my PR work I was known by my maiden name mm-hmm. and I was still known by my maiden name for for that side of things but then for Everything else, I'd, I'd recently become, you know, Mrs. Faye Evans. So that, that, that was me. I had this new name. So I went to this business networking meeting in my kind of PR guise. <laughs> and uh, we were given a piece of paper as we went in. I hadn't been to this particular group before. It was kind of new group, probably about, you know, 40 people in the, in the room. And we were given this piece of paper. And on the piece of paper, you had to put your name and what you did, which sounds quite simple. But I had this kind of identity crisis going on. So I looked at this piece of paper and I thought, OK, name. Now, do I put my maiden name? Do I put my married name? You know, so that I was I was struggling with that to start with. And then it said, you know, what do you do? And I thought, OK, so so who am I today? Today, am I Faye, the PR consultant? Am I I'd also started doing as a sort of, you know, as a sideline, I, I was doing um, a network marketing um, business because you didn't have enough going on because didn't have enough going on you know <laughs> you know why, why not so so I was do I was doing that as well so am I am I Faye from Utility Warehouse or am I am I Faye Evans uh, budding author 
Wow. And I thought, oh, God damn it, today I'm, I'm Faye Evans' budding author. Good so I just you. wrote it on this piece of paper, didn't think anything of it. And then, of course, we had to go around and introduce ourselves. <laughs> so in front of this group of people, I stood up and I said, hello, everybody. Um, my name is Faye Evans and I have a dream. And my dream is to be a children's author. And I sort of said about some of these stories that yeah, I'd written, yeah. and, you know, what I wanted to do. So, you know, I just, I just sort of went with it. Were you, you nervous? Know? Not really. No. Excited? I just, no, I d- it wasn't kind of this. I didn't look at it at the time as this big thing. I just thought, you know, I'd had enough of like the name confusion. And, I, you know, I, I was just like I say, it was a bit of an identity crisis. I yeah. just thought, all right, today I'll be Faye Evans' budding author. You know, it was just a bit of fun, really. But then at the end of this meeting, two ladies came up to me and they said, oh, it was really interesting to, to hear about, you know, what you what you ambition is um we are um we're governors at this uh, this big big posh school in in manchester um we can put you in touch with the the head of the head of the prep school and i said well that's very kind that would be amazing thank you so so like the next day the sort of head of the the prep school was was emailing me and so i arranged to go in and see her so I read her one of my stories that I'd written, you know, on my little piece of A4 paper. One of your Amy stories. One of my Amy stories, you know, wow. exactly. One of, my secret, one of my secret author stories. You know, read it to the, to the head of the prep school. She loved it. And it was about, maybe about a month later, she'd invited me in on World Book Day Wow. To be their sort of pet author for the day. That's incredible. I know. Did, at, at no time <laughs> did you have a sense of imposter syndrome no no i just had to go with it that's great i'm so delighted to hear that the answer is no no, i did not but it gets worse holly so i arrived (laughs) on the morning to do this author visit and we've not really spoken about what was going to happen on the day i thought i would just sort of you know go into a couple of classrooms and and read them my story and then and then go home yeah That, that was it and so I arrived at school, I got my, got my pass and everything, put that on, I was waiting in the, in the you know, just outside the office. And the, the head of the prep school came out and said, um, said right, um, we've booked the chapel for the morning. So we've got the whole of lower school coming in for an assembly. And then I'd like you to go around, you know, the, the classrooms and, and speak to the chapel. I was like, oh my word. So, you know, within about sort of 10 minutes of arriving, Straight there in I at the deep end. In at the deep end, in, you know, stood at the front of a hall full of sort of 300 kids reading my story from my bit of A4 paper. That's great. And how did it go? Amazing. I mean, the, the feedback was just lovely. The kids were great because my, my first story is like, uh, it's Fred the Fire Sneezing Dragon. And there he is there, looking there at he us. Is. Beautiful, He's, handsome chap. He goes, goes with me everywhere. So at, at the beginning of this book... There are some little actions oh, yeah. to learn and join in with Fantastic. as you read the story so that you sneeze along with Fred. Uh-huh. So I got all the school practising these, these actions like, you know, tapping your toes and tickling your tummy and wriggling your body and all this kind of thing. And then you do a big achoo with Fred. <laughs> um, so I got them practising that, then read them the story. They joined in at the kind of chorus bit that has those actions in and did all the actions. And yeah, they loved it. So... Yeah, I just just kind of went in at the deep end and just just went with it. I just think it's fantastic. <laughs> I absolutely I love I love 
the boldness with which you did that because I think that's so refreshing because you know I think too many of us and I include myself in this really allow ourselves to be overcome with self-doubt yeah yeah and I just how did how did you not <laughs> what did, come on you've got to share this magic juice Faye whatever I it may be no oh it's just I just guess because it's what I love doing you know, it's what's in my heart. So it brings me such joy. Mm. So when I'm there in front of a group, I mean, even now, you know, when I'm on an author visit and I'm in front of a class of kids, I just love it. I'm absolutely in my element. So I'm just enjoying it. And I think if you enjoy something, mm. then what's the point in being kind of scared about it or nervous about it? It's you know, I suppose it's something about being in flow as well, yes, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And and if you've got that, you know, that that sea of sort of smiling faces hanging on your every yeah. word, you know, it's just a beautiful, beautiful, joyous thing. Oh, so I mean, it's, I'm with you. You yeah. know, I'm one of those bizarre people that loves public speaking. Yeah, I love yeah. it. And it's that sense of connecting with people. Yes, yeah. You know, because I think it can be, even though, I think... Having a whole group of people in a room at the same time, irrespective of age, can actually be an incredibly deeply personal and intimate thing on such a, a quite a, I don't know what the phrase is, but on a very, very yeah. deep level. Yeah, definitely. Particularly with children like yeah. that, you know. Yeah. And, and I think igniting a love of literature in young people is a gift that really should yeah. be celebrated. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. I mean, I feel very kind of blessed when I when I go into schools and you know share my story mm. with all these lovely, lovely kids. And yeah, to see them, you know, sort of say at the end, you know, who thinks that when they're older they would like to be an author, and all the hands go up, and you know, it's just lovely. That's great. But I think there's something, you know, to be to be said from from all of this about about sharing sharing your dreams so when I do my assembly at school I tell them my my tell them two stories so I tell them the story of Fred the fire snoozing dragon at the end but at the beginning the first story I tell them is my story my journey to becoming an author and you share that with them and I share that with them and and the big part of it for me is about having a dream and it's about if you do if there's something that you really really want to do there's something that you'd really like to do then don't keep it to yourself. Mm. Share it with people because as soon as you do that, and it wasn't just at that first, you know, business meeting, that first networking meeting when I did that, that this came true. But at, at subsequent meetings after that, if I shared what I wanted to do, people would say, "Oh, you should speak to so and so. You should, you know, you need, really need to speak to this lady or connect with this person. Yeah. They can help you." And the more times that you do that, the more people come forward and help. I was going to ask you about the importance of network because it, it's something that you mentioned, you know, and it's fascinating that you say happen chance being introduced to these amazing people who just yeah. opened doors for you. Yeah, totally. I mean, and what I found as well is actually how genuinely receptive the population are. Yeah. You know, if you yeah. share something yeah. like you do, yeah, I think people it. do want to help. Yeah, especially if, you know, it's something that you're really passionate about because I think that comes through when you talk about it. Mm. So people just introduced me to the right people and there was, you know, one lady particularly, a lady called Sue Miller that has an organisation called Team Author, Team mm -hmm. Author UK, and she essentially helps writers and would-be authors to publish their work. So when I was introduced to, to Sue, 
she basically held my hand through the publishing process and introduced me to you know illustrators the person that did my website you know all the people that I needed to sort of turn that that dream of being a, an author into into reality so you know it is about sort of just just putting it out there yeah. that what you want to do and not being secretive about it and not being ashamed of it and not being you know I shy. absolutely agree I absolutely agree I think the other thing I found as well is I didn't realise how many specialists there were of stuff. Like, there's things that... I can't even think of an example now, but stuff that perplexes me. And I think, oh, I don't know how to do that. And I yeah. don't know how to find yeah. out about that. You there's know, it's always somebody that knows always. how to do it. But, yeah, it's having those those networks yeah. in place that you can just call upon. You know, does anybody know somebody that can help with this? And, you know, it's, it's amazing. The people and, are out there, so... And you know what? In 2019, the world is such a scary, bizarre place. It's great to hear that, you know... The power of human spirit is alive yeah. and well, helping oh, one another out. Definitely. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. You talked about the birth of your daughter being very pivotal in steering the style of writing that you do. And you now focus on these rhyming stories that she loves so much. How important is that personal motivation to you? And did it help you make that jump, do you think? Yes, I think so. I think it was really important. And it it just opened up, as I said, a whole new world of of, of writing that you know, having not been a mum until then, I wasn't aware of. So, mm. yeah, it was, I mean, it was huge in sort of changing the direction of, of what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, do you ever see yourself writing any kind of different genre or...? Not really. I mean, I do get asked a lot on my author visits whether I'm going to, to write chapter books, mm. as they're called. And I think that, yeah, maybe maybe one day I'll, I'll have a go at, at writing, you know, chapter books for slightly older children. But I just love the whole kind of rhyming couplets. And mm. I just, I, it's my kind of thing. Mm. I love the rhythm of it and the pattern of it. And, you know, I love the response that it gets. And, yeah, and then, you know, as I said, my, my books are quite, I try to make them interactive. I try and get the reader yeah, involved yeah. in the story with the little actions that yeah. they do as they read it. And so, yeah, that's that's sort of where my my heart is at the moment. Well, in writing I, I'm those. smiling because I am so with you. You know, I mean, my children are a little bit older than yours, but I thank the world for Julia Donaldson. Oh, you yes. know, cause yeah, that's it. I just our personal favourite has always been the highway route. Oh, brilliant, <laughs> brilliant! Yeah, yeah. And, and it's like I think you're right. You know, when when you make reading fun yes. and participatory, and yeah. you know all of those kinds of yeah. things, it it just brings it alive. It does, it does. And and you know when I go and do my author visits, you know it's really about bringing it alive. So especially with you know my latest book, Bob's Beard. So. I've been doing the rounds with with Bob now um, yeah. since the and Bob's uh, with us as Bob's well. Bob's with us as well. Little Bob, little Bob is with us. So Bob, in my story, is a giant, and at the beginning of the book, he's very clean shaven. Uh-huh. Um, but all the little animals in the wood are very scared of Bob because he's a giant. <laughs> he's so much bigger than them. So they all they all run away from him. So this makes Bob feel very sad because he just wants to be their friend. He just wants to help. There he is, clean shaven Bob. There he is, Bob. there he is, clean shaven Bob. And then one day, he's, he's shaving his, his silky smooth chin uh, in the lake. He drops his razor. It sinks to the bottom of the lake. And gradually, this big bushy beard starts to grow. And his beard is the key to befriending a whole uh, host of woodland creatures uh. as the story goes on. <laughs> so it's, it's a lovely story. But when I go into schools with Bob, 
I get them all involved. So first of all, we pick somebody to be Bob the Giant and sit on the special chair next to me out at the front. So, you know, we, I ask for volunteers and there's always loads and loads of kids would like to be Bob, we yeah. like to pretend to be Bob. So we choose the tallest giant in the class and the tallest giant comes and sits at the side of me. And then we have somebody that, you know, um, I have sort of this, this story, story box that I take out some cuddly toys mm. and the first cuddly toy is a badger. And if, if the child can put their hand up and say that it's a badger, you know, if they can guess correctly what type of animal it is, then they get to be a badger. And then there's some little mice and all this kind of thing. So so I get I get all the kids involved in the story. You know, they've all got little little characters to hold, and they come to the front when it's their part in the story. So it's and obviously Bob has has different length beards to put on and <laughs> and hold it. They're just sort of held on a stick in front of their face. But anyway, it's 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 great. I mean, it's such fun, and the kids just love it. And it just brings the story to life. Do you know what I found as well? I mean, <clears throat> I know you work predominantly, you know, in, as you've said, with younger children. I think. Being brazen enough to be bold about literature in that way, mm -hmm. you can engage any kids. Mm. You know, absolutely, they they love it. And you know, whether they're boys or girls, it doesn't matter. They yeah. just they just hang on your every word because you're bringing the story to life. And I think as well, if you if you're reading it reading it aloud with enthusiasm. Mm. You know, then then they're going to be listening and, and enjoying it. I also think, you know, I, I challenge anybody not to like being read to. Oh, yeah. Irrespective of age. Absolutely. Yeah, it's lovely, isn't it? A so, really beautiful yeah. thing. Really beautiful yeah. thing. You mentioned earlier about the pilot episodes that you wrote for your own original sitcoms and your two short films. Yeah. Absolutely incredible experience. One of the things that we're hearing from our conversation is this kind of inner strength that you have to just kind of go for it. Even back then, you know, when you were doing something that was so brave as that, I can totally see the segue in from, from Amy to the stories mm. and what have you. But I suppose you have got a media background, but, mm. but really going for it in those earlier days when it came to the, the DVDs and the films and that side of things, mm. was there ever any doubt? <laughs> oh, I think so. I mean, you know, it, it kind of sounds great. Now I sort of read it back, but at the time, you know, these were just kind of little things that were happening. And but they were really successful. They were, but they, but they were almost at the time just seemed like little tiny nibbles of the cherry. They weren't, you know, I didn't see them at the time as, as massive, massive things. They were just things that happened as a result of the of doing the MA, because they didn't sort of lead to, you know, the big moment, the big break. So they but were just kind of. But they nonetheless must have been an indicator that actually, you know what, you are on the right lines here. Yeah. You are in the right arena. Yes. Yeah. I suppose it gave me the the confidence to know that what I was writing was good. Yeah. So it kind of spurred me on in, in that way. How do you cope when, you know, the, the, CV, the series has been optioned yes. for 12 yeah. months and at the end of 12 months, nothing comes of it? How, how do you cope with those kinds of things? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I'm just a great sort of believer in kind of what's meant to be is meant to be and if something doesn't work out then it's because there's something bigger and better meant for you it's not quite the right thing for you so you just have to believe that you know something something better is gonna gonna come along that that's how I sort of frame it to deal with it so yeah that's how I've always sort of tried to figure it out in that way so I mean it's all to do with self-belief I've had life coaches or business coaches along the way that have helped with that because you know mindset in whatever you're doing is really really important it's having that self-belief mm. that 
you know, you will succeed at what you're doing. And if you do get that setback, that knockback, it's fine because it wasn't the right thing for you. There is something better that will work out in the end. That's, that's were you how always, I view it. Were you always clear at the beginning, you know, you were at point A that I want to get to point F or are you actually now at point I? You know, the journey Ooh. has changed along the way. That's a really difficult question. I am a great believer in dreaming big. Mm -hmm. So I have like the big goals that I want to do. And, you know, I love the whole thing about like vision boards and things like that, that you make that, you know, have the have the goals that you want to kind of... So it's, it's sort of keeping you, your eye on the, the big goals, where you want to be in kind of five years' time or whatever. And you've always but, set yourself quite lofty goals. Yeah, I have done sort of recently, since, since becoming an author, so in the last couple of years. Yeah, and then for me, it's just about taking little steps towards those big goals, just sort of nudging it along in the right direction. But I think it's really important to have a, to have a vision as, as to where you want to be you know, ultimately, or where you'd like to be, ultimately. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, sort of see where the journey takes you as you make the little little nudges towards that, that big dream, really. And I think the process of learning, particularly in, the, in something, a field like this, again, it must be really organic. So you must, by virtue of the learning that takes place, end up in a slightly different place than where you expect yeah. it to be. Well, totally. I mean, the, the classic example with that is my, my first book, Fred, Fred the Fire Sneezing Dragon. So again, I was at a networking meeting. I'm a big, big advocate for networking. <laughs> you must, must do it, everybody. Um, so I went to a business networking meeting in author mode. And that was the funny thing as well. When I, when I was first sort of transitioning from, <laughs> from PR consultant to author, I had this thing where um, if I was in PR mode, mm -hmm. my hair would be up. Oh. Author mode, hair down. Really? Yes. Very important, very important. So it's funny because, you know, more than two years ago, I very rarely wore my hair down. I just didn't. It was always tied back, tied up, yeah, you know, yeah. that, that's just how I wore my hair. Now, it's very rarely tied back. It's always down. I, I fully transitioned <laughs> to author. <laughs> Do you know, I can empathise because I always had... <laughs> Shoes. Shoes oh, were always shoes. my thing. Yes. So I, you know, I'd get up, I'd drive to work and I would be absolutely exhausted and I'd be thinking, oh God, what's for dinner tonight? <laughs> I'd get out of the car and I'd put my heels on and I'd kind of go, go up an inch and a half and I'd think, right, I'm teaching <laughs> here, here I am. Here I am. Yes. Yeah. Switch on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think those kinds of things yeah. are really important. They are, definitely. And definitely. they give you a little bit of a sense of confidence yeah. at the same time, yeah, playing the role. Yeah, definitely. And so I went to this particular networking meeting in author mode hair down and we'd sort of done the introductions round and then a lady came up to me kind of at the end and I'd not really because she was sort of sat a couple of spaces away from me she did her sort of introduction just before me so I was thinking oh, what am I going to say what yeah. am I going to say I didn't, yeah. re didn't really kind of clock her, her introduction and she came up to me and she said oh I was really interested in, in what you do she said um, I, uh, I compose music for children I think your books sound great. So we, we kind of had this, this you know, sort of swap numbers and things and met up, went through my book together. And she just said, there is such scope to set this to music. Wow. I was like, oh, right, brilliant. Okay. So so in the early days, we were, we were talking about, and this was sort of just over, over a year ago, I think, when we first started talking. 
we were talking about you know me doing some author visits maybe uh, Andrea would come along and play the piano and do a little song with the kids and that would kind of be it so that was our initial sort of thought but then no Holly we decided to think bigger good for you it's all about all about dreaming big so so (laughs) now I am adapting Fred the fire sneezing dragon into Fred the all singing, all dancing stage musical for children. <laughs> I am, this is great. I am being, I am being mentored by two wonderful producers from a theatre company uh, called Colour the Clouds, which is a specialist children's musical theatre company based at the Lowry they are associate artists at the Lowry they are they are mentoring me as I do the script and we put the music to it and and yeah so again it it, these sort of people are presented to me by the universe or whoever these golden opportunities and it just takes me down a slightly different different track I just think oh wow yeah stage musical brilliant so I've been chatting on LinkedIn to a couple of people this morning about the notion of the expert and how I think when people become entrepreneurs or set up on themselves, they often worry that they're not an expert, expert. enough. Yes. Has that ever been a challenge for you? And You're now working with experts in quite a niche discipline of children's musical yeah. theatre. Yeah. You know, here you are, PR, now children's author, soon to be the next Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Do you ever have you ever worried about oh my gosh, I'm I'm not an expert? No. <laughs> Is that <laughs> the wrong answer? We, no, we need okay. to bottle this. Okay, it's okay. Fabulous. Um I just fabulous. I just go with it. It's just if I'm having fun doing it and you know, the people are there to support me, and it's all about other people. Mm. You know, if other people want to kind of support me in doing that then yeah I'll 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 give it a go yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah good for you <laughs> yeah good for you and I think it's that opportunity as well you know you, you can't turn down an opportunity where no, like that and no. have self-doubt that's it that's it so yeah we'll just have some fun with it see where it leads fantastic and, yeah, really, really exciting it is it's so exciting really exciting let's talk a little bit about when you that critical point where you made that jump so you were you were working in PR, you'd started doing the, the master's course, then you'd yeah. written some bits and pieces. Yeah. I think one of the things that people seem to struggle with, particularly when they're pursuing their dream, they're pursuing their passion, is how you make that transition financially, you know, those kind mm-hmm. of practicalities. Because we've all got bills to pay, we've all yeah. got mortgages, you yeah. know, I'm not wishing to, you to disclose yes. your personal financial <laughs> yes. details. Oh, a bad statement. No. <laughs> <laughs> but how, how does one make those plans, you know, when I changed my career kind of nine months ago, I was given a little bit of freedom because of a financial inheritance that my husband received, right. you know, yeah. That, that, yeah. that aided me to go from, to yes. you know, a, a yeah. salary to being in a, a, you know, flying by the seat of my pants kind yeah. of situation. So, yeah. so what advice would you give to people out there who are thinking, you know what, I've got a passion. I know what it is. I'd no self-doubt. I know exactly what I'd like to do, but I just don't know practically how it is that I can get myself there. How can yeah. I buy myself more time? Yeah, I mean it's oh, it's really it's really tricky to to kind of explain it. I mean, I didn't have I had a moment where it was the the launch date for my first book. And you were still consulting at that time. So, yeah, still doing the still doing the PR stuff. So I was going along. I up until that point, which was kind of um, September 2017, I'd been going along to 
networking meetings as PR consultant. But it was at the beginning of that year, sort of back in the you know January, February time, when I'd, I'd come out, I'd had my, my moment, you know, I have a dream thing. I'd started to be introduced to the right people. I'd met Sue Miller from Team Author UK. She'd, you know, we had things in place. So I was doing my... Um, I get my website sorted. We got, you know, the illustrator for the book mm. that was all taking place in the background. But I was still doing the PR stuff as far as anybody knew. That was, you know, what I was doing. So that was supporting what I was doing, you know, creatively. And then when it came to September, to the launch of the book and the website was all ready and, you know, I had my had my brand all sorted, that's when I decided to kind of just swap to being, you know, hair down, Faye Evans author. Mm. So then I then I would go to business networking meetings as Faye Evans author mm-hmm. and decided to put the you know the um the PR consultancy on a back burner. So I didn't actively go out looking for more PR work. It kept kind of coming because people knew that that's what mm. I'd done mm. and they, mm. you know, they knew about it in that way. I still had a couple of clients that were sort of on a, on a retainer. Mm. So, you know, I was still working, doing a bit of PR work, but I wasn't actively out there promoting myself anymore it's almost as like a you, PR consultant. I swapped it over. You flipped the focus. Yes, yeah, totally. Totally. I think what you and I were saying about before we started recording as well about the difference between our stories is that, and I'm not sure now I've done the right thing in terms of I had a very brutal, right, I'm stopping that mm, yeah. and I'm starting something yeah, else. Yeah. And I found that transition really difficult, yeah. whereas yours was perhaps more gradual it's as more an gradual. overlap. Yes, yeah. And it was almost just like um, a kind of mindset thing, really. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I knew that the launch date for the book was coming up. I knew I had everything in place that I needed to promote the book and market it and, you know, had the idea of doing author visits. And so then I just, you know, from from that moment decided to just be visible as an author Mm. rather than as a PR consultant. Mm. So... You know, I, really I, I still I still get work now as you know for my sort of skills in in PR and and, and proofreading that sort of thing. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I don't actively go out and promote it. That's just sort of carried over from you know previous connections that I've had in my previous life. That's great. So, it's really helpful. I think it's really helpful for people to hear these practical tips you know we can read stuff about oh yeah go and pursue your dream but actually it's the reality of. of how you put that together yeah the steps that we all take yeah yeah it was I mean it was definitely kind of it was it was thought about it was kind of planned mm. it was gradual mm. so yeah I can imagine that for you from a, a sudden stop mm. that is a completely different different animal really yeah I think you know I think it's I've learned a lot this last nine months. You know, I, I kind of peddled myself as having a bit of a break. If I'm being honest, I don't think I have had a break. I've merely, you know, transitioned from one thing into the other. Looking back now, would I have done it the same way? I think because of the career that I was in before, because I was employed, I'm not so sure that I could have done it any different way. Mm-hmm. But, the, you know, it's, like, it's the learning, isn't it, that I think is really important. And yeah. for me, I'm not really sure yet where I want to be in the end. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and it's embracing that in some yeah. ways, and at times that can be a little bit scary. But surely yeah. that's what life is like. Yeah, definitely. 
You, we've already spoken about your work in education and we know that that's incredibly important to you and you, you travel to loads of primary schools across the UK sharing your stories to boost literacy and your love of reading and, and you want to impart that in children. Tell me, why do you think that is so important? What does that mean? Oh, I just think that, you know, children benefit so much from books rather than staring at the screen of a phone or a tablet or a computer they can get so much more from from books not necessarily in terms of them reading but being read to mm -hmm. i think is hugely important for for children's development not just in in reading and writing but also in just communicating and, mm -hmm. and you know the sort of social skills of of you know bonding with somebody as they read a story to you so I just think it's, you know, it's hugely important. Storytelling is just a, a massive, massively important thing, I think. Mm. So that, that's why I kind of love doing what I do, because it's getting out there, it's sharing real books with children mm. and getting them, you know, excited about a book rather than a, a computer game. Mm. So, yeah, that's kind of why why I do it. It's just I think the spreading gift of, that message. of literacy as well, you know. Yeah. I, I've seen that change lives on gosh, more times than I can ever, you know, count to remember, choose to remember. I mean, I've got a background in secondary education, but having taught primary as mm -hmm. well, and actually having taught adults to read, you know, mm -hmm. you really do yeah. get access to a totally different part yeah. of the world when you, you, you embrace literacy and reading and love of books. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that's why, I, that's why I do it. That's why I, you know, I am who I am. True burst into song. I am what <laughs> Your mantra is, and I quote you here, to follow your heart and dream big. Um, how do you stay positive even when stuff's hard? Oh, I have my ways and means. Again, I've worked with a life coach recently who is all about positive thinking, law of attraction, mm -hmm. and just, yeah, just having the, the mindset that is really positive. And mm. so I have little things in place that I I do. So I have a little morning routine that involves lots of positivity and affirmations and a bit of meditation mm -hmm. just to keep me on that, on as we said before, on that sort of high vibration. Just, mm. yeah. For, for those positive. people that don't know, tell us a little bit about law of attraction. For me, it's a lot to do with kind of self-belief, thinking positive things, knowing what you want. And if you're kind of, attuned to that and aware of that it's like that's what you will attract into your life mm -hmm. so if you think negative things so the the opposite of it is you know being the sort of pessimist rather than the optimist then you will automatically attract negative stuff into your life because that's where your mindset is so you'll be looking out for those sort of negative things to happen so it's about kind of switching that round and just staying staying positive I've probably not explained that very well no, I think you have, because I think I think there's a lot of buzz out there at the moment and it's easy to, to find stuff on Law of Attraction. I yeah. think hearing your take on it is, is really interesting. One of the things I'm particularly fascinated about is personal development that's, that's a 
applicable to everybody yeah. in a kind of no fluff, no nonsense yes. kind of way. Yeah. And I think that's a, a really good way of explaining things. That uh, explaining it, sorry, that that people can uh, go and have a read about. Yeah, we can yeah. perhaps put a link in the show notes below to yeah. more of attraction. Yeah, so people yeah. can go and find out oh, more. Definitely. You say that sharing your dreams, taking small steps, and simple actions to be the best version of ourselves are key to your success. Are there any other pieces of advice that you'd like to share? If there is something that you want to do, don't be afraid to share it with other people because mm. that's when the magic happens. That's mm. when people, you know, come out of the woodwork. People just appear and are there to there to help you to achieve that. So, well, what would you say to somebody who has a deep burning passion but they're too scared to share that? I would just say, don't be. You know, just if it's if it's so important to you and if it brings you joy and it it will make you happy I mean I just think life's about being happy Mm. and doing something that makes you happy so if there is something that you really really want to do what's the worst that can happen by by telling somebody else about it I suppose people are fearful that they might get laughed at but that's not that wouldn't be my if somebody laughed at my idea that's that's their Mm. take on it you absolutely know, it's the whole what other people think of me is none of my business mm. it's if it some, means something to you and it's something really personal to you and brings you happiness and joy then mm. go for it they're, they're just not the right person to help you there'll I, be somebody better just around the corner I agree <laughs> I always think as well one of the great ironies is that we worry and we waste time worrying about what other people are oh, going to think yeah but the thing is Everybody else is doing the same thing, wasting time, worrying about yeah. what other people are going to be thinking. Yeah. They're never actually thinking about other people. No. They're too busy worrying exactly. about their own anxieties, exactly. if that makes, perfect, yeah. if that makes yeah. sense. So you've already said to us that you're working on the, the stage musical adaptation of Fred the Fire Sneezing Dragon, which just sounds amazing. But what's next for you? Oh, well, there will be lots of work on, on Fred the Musical over the coming months. So uh, I'll be getting together with the theatre company at the Lowry and and looking at the scripts with them. So there'll be lots of redrafting and Mm, things like mm. that and just working in a a kind of different area in terms of how to turn this this script into a, you know, the all singing, all dancing musical, which is really exciting. There'll be another book either later this year, probably more into the beginning of next year, mm-hmm. uh, about a completely different character. Mm-hmm. So I have another another book uh, lined up. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of it for, for now. But we'll see whatever else the universe throws into the mix <laughs> along the way. Fantastic. Faye, if people wanted to find out more about you, where could they find out information? Yeah, so I'm on all the usual social media channels um at Faye Evans author uh I'm also on uh, the internet I have my website which is fayevansauthor.co.uk mm-hmm. so I'm you know active on all of those it's all about kind of marketing and spreading the word so uh, so yeah if I'm not on Facebook then I'm on Twitter or I'm on Instagram or LinkedIn or, a veritable yeah. plethora of absolutely outlets. it's all it's all out there so uh, <laughs> we'll yeah. make sure that we put those in the show notes oh, below anyway Faye Evans thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story it's been a real pleasure and a privilege thank oh. you very very much thank you Holly really enjoyed it Great. thank you thank you Faye's story is incredibly uplifting. How wonderful to hear from someone who has managed to keep her self-doubt and imposter syndrome well and truly in check. 
I'm sure that many of us have secret passions that we want to explore, yet for whatever reason, we keep them to ourselves and don't share them with others. Well, maybe today's episode is the start of a new journey for you. Life is short, and sometimes we've all just got to be brave and go for it. As Faye says, life really is about being happy. It's as simple as that. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rediscovery of Me Life Stories podcast and that in some way it's added value to your life. Thank you for joining me. I've been your host, Holly Hartley. Please make sure that you tell everyone you know who might benefit from listening all about the Life Stories podcast. It's free to listen to, of course, in any app that supports podcasts. Make sure that you click like and leave a review. I'll see you on the next edition of the Life Stories podcast, where we'll be exploring what it's like to be born with an unusual and unique gift. Remember, One person's story can be someone else's survival guide. You are enough.